At the time that this is over, that Philemon was a member of the Church of Colossians, probably the book of Philemon and the book of Colossians, and probably the visions were carried together by Tychicus and Onesimus uh, to those uh, groups. Uh, so, would somebody read Philemon chapter 1? That's uh, really just one chapter, but Philemon uh, verses 1 to 3. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, this is a short letter, and yet there's a lot of people mentioned in this letter. You've got five people here in this introduction, going to have five more at the conclusion and one in the middle. So, uh, it's a lot of people for 25 verses. Uh, he starts out, of course, with his own name, Paul. And what does he not call himself that he almost always does? An apostle. Well, if he doesn't call himself an apostle, what's he not doing so much in this book? Declaring his apostleship. Yeah, and his authority. He's not really going to deal with Philemon so much on the basis of his authority. So what does he call himself? A prisoner. A prisoner, um, which I think is an indication that he was a prisoner in Rome. wonder why he would say he was a prisoner in this book. Why is that relevant? He'll be talking about a former prisoner. Yeah. If <laughs> uh, slavery is prison, that's right. Here's a captive pleading for a slave. You know... And, and I mean, you know, when you know Paul has spent the last good while in prison, how does that make you feel toward him? Sympathetic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, he knows what it's like to sacrifice, you know, and he's, he's you know, gone through a lot. It's, it's going to be hard for Philemon to resist an appeal, penned within prison walls by a manacled hand. You know, I mean, it just makes you feel for him more. And, uh, you know, kind of touches your heart. Uh, but who was Paul a prisoner of? Christ Jesus. But now, he wasn't really, was he? Who was he a prisoner of? Rome. Rome, Nero. You know, but he saw it differently. You know, he didn't see so much himself as being a prisoner of Nero or Rome. But he saw the, the hand of the Lord in all this. He, he's, every, anything he was, he was that of Jesus, and he realized that Jesus, you know, uh, could lordship in everything that happened. You know, this was ultimately not a human decision. The Lord you know, directs his life. And uh, Paul's not the only one that's addressing Philemon here. Who else is? Timothy. Timothy, uh, which he was a co-sender of this letter as well. Um... The letter, I think, does come from Paul. Almost all of the verbs here are in the singular. And Paul will talk about, I am such a person as Paul, verse 9, and in verse 19, I, Paul. So I don't think Timothy was a co-writer, co-author of the letter, but he was sending his greetings as well. Um, who was he writing to? Philemon. Philemon. Now, it appears to me that Philemon had a strong connection with Paul, and yet Philemon was from Colossae, and we know from Colossians 2, Paul never been in Colossae. 
So my guess is that when Paul was in Ephesus for those three years, that Philemon was converted there and that Paul got to know him, even though he was from a ways away, but still in the same province. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but that's my guess. What does he call Philemon? Beloved brother. Beloved, yeah. He's, a, he's beloved and a fellow worker. Uh, so he starts the letter talking about love. He's going to have several occasions to talk about that and appeal to that when it's all said and done. Uh, he's a fellow worker. I mean, that's cool. Can you think about Paul saying, you know, you're my fellow worker? You know, they don't seem like they'd be on the same level. And maybe, you know, his sphere is more restricted, but, but Paul sees him on the same level. They're equally fellow workers in the Lord. It's interesting that in this chapter, Paul will call a younger Christian a brother. He'll call a person like Archippus a fellow soldier, and uh, a guy like Philemon a fellow worker, and so forth. You see a lot of Paul seeking to draw near to them, not trying to elevate himself. Uh, So that's encouraging. And, uh, you know, mostly this letter is written to him, though there are some plurals in this, but more than anything, Paul is directing himself toward Philemon. But who else does he mention he's, he's writing to here? Yeah, but not only the church in his house, but what other people? Oh, Appy, our sister. I'm guessing she was Mrs. Philemon. I don't know that for sure, but it seems reasonable to me. And who else? Archippus. Yes, now this Archippus guy was mentioned in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So I take it he was somebody who had a special role, work, service. Maybe he was like an evangelist in Colossae or something like that. I I would like to think of Archippus as being Philemon's son. That's probably a little farther removed from you know something that can be proven at all. Maybe he's just a particular person that's important in the church that meets in Philemon's house. I don't know. Uh, but but he writes to Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and the church that's in his house. Now, so is the church supposed to like hear that? Listen to this letter. And what would you think about the church hearing this letter? Kind of a personal letter. I mean, I'm assuming you all kind of know what it's about. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know if people today would appreciate the church being allowed to overhear this uh, more or less personal correspondence, you know, on how we ought to uh, deal with our property (laughs) and be reconciled to our former slave and things like that. Do you assume that's what he was doing? Like, that they would read it in the Well, if he's writing to them... To Philemon, to Aphia, to Archippus, Archippus, and to the church. Yeah. So, if I wrote a letter to, you know, to Chris, to Debbie, to Ryan, and to Ariel, and to the church at Avon, I mean, wouldn't you assume that the church at Avon ought to read it also? Mm-hmm. I wrote to him. But that is kind of interesting... You know, we'd almost consider that an invasion of privacy. You know, this is something that ought to be kept personal. You know, maybe maybe there's a sense in which Paul wanted the church to know what he'd written to Philemon. That may help him make a good decision in this. You know, we consider religion so private. 
you know, it's kind of just between me and God and nobody else. But I don't know. Maybe I think it's interesting. I wouldn't have expected that, but I think that is what this is saying. He wishes for him grace and peace. That's the root and the fruit. You know, uh, everything comes from grace, and that leads to us having peace, and that comes from the Father and Jesus. Don't look for those things from any other source. But the God and Jesus are the single source of his grace and peace. Um, and, and certainly, he needs God's grace and peace to meet the challenge that he's going to receive here in this letter. So, anything you want to say on those first three verses? <clears throat> Timothy. Where do you get that um, they're a family? I'm just guessing. There's okay. nothing that proves it. Okay. Four to seven. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, through you, brother. Well, as Paul often does at this point in the letter, he reports on his thanks to God for Philemon. You know, Paul turns to God for everything with thanks and prayer. You know, everything in his life is directed toward the Lord. And we need to do that. And uh, we don't just thank God once or twice for a brother like Philemon. You know, he says, I thank God, my God always. It would be helpful to us if we were more constant and more diligent in thanking God for our brethren. I think that's something we fall down on. I do. I don't thank him nearly enough for brothers like Philemon, who are good brothers and who are encouraging. And what is it particularly that's making him thank God for Philemon? Making mention in his prayers. Of what? Hearing your love and faith. Yeah, he's heard about his love and faith. Now what's his faith toward? Jesus. And, and what's his love toward? All the saints. Yeah, I think you've kind of got that uh, idea. The faith uh, is toward the Lord, and that's the basis of the love that he has toward all the saints. And those two things really make Paul thank God. I mean, can you think of things that would make, more, would make Paul more thankful than to know about a brother's faith and love? Your love and faith here. I mean, those are those are two of the qualities that Paul just constantly talks about and sees as so important. And he's heard that he's doing well with these things. Um, and um, you know, he we ought to have you know a love toward toward all the saints and just concern for them. And he then prays that the fellowship of his faith would be effective. That's a little more difficult, but I think it's the idea that. His the fellowship that his faith has would express itself in action uh, through the knowledge of God for every good thing. So he wants Philemon's faith to show itself and and to be be fruitful um, and and everything uh, for Christ's sake. You know, everything we do is for the glory of God, and and particularly verse seven. I think is a key verse in the whole book. 
For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. You know, Paul rejoices that other people have been benefited by Philemon's faith. In fact, how have they been benefited? They've been refreshed. Yes, their hearts have been refreshed. That's the kind of guy Philemon is. He's a guy who refreshes saints' hearts. Now that's going to be important. He's going to connect that with some more thoughts later on. But but he he's so thankful that, that Philemon is just this encouraging person that loves all the saints and the, the brethren have their hearts lifted up because of Philemon's uh, service to them. And again, he calls him brother. You know, he's stressing the closeness that he feels to him. All right, thoughts and comments through verse 7. Well, he kind of comes down to what this is all about here. And, uh, wow, there's a lot to this. Uh, and it's hard a little bit to know where to break it. Um, but... Uh, Let's uh, let's do eight to fourteen. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. Well, this is a really interesting thing. Now, we still don't really know, until we go a little bit later, really what Paul's asking for. But here's the deal. I think most of you know this, but Onesimus was apparently a runaway slave from Philemon. I assume not a Christian when he left. He may have even stolen some stuff from Philemon when he left. We'll talk about that a little later. And somehow or other, he ended up in Rome and got to know Paul, and Paul converted him. And he's been really helpful to Paul, but he's still really Philemon's property? Because he fled Philemon's you know, house without permission? And Paul really didn't feel like he has the right to keep him? Because he really doesn't belong to him? He's Philemon's? So he's sending him back. That's really what's going on. And this letter that's accompanying Onesimus's return is what Paul's saying to Philemon about the fact that he sent Onesimus back to him. So he says, Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. Now, <laughs> that's interesting. Don't you think? What's Paul saying he could have done? Could have done. Yeah, she just ordered him. Yeah. How could he have done that? I'm Paul, and I'm an apostle, and this is what I say. Exactly. As an apostle, wouldn't he have had the authority to just say, here's God's orders? This is the right thing to do according to the Holy Scriptures. It's been revealed to me, you know, whatever. Yes. So he could have laid down the law to Philemon. <laughs> you know, he could have just said, Philemon... I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, and you will take this slave back and treat him right. That's not what he chooses to do. Now, it's interesting when he says it that way. <laughs> what, is that, what does that do? It, it's kind of 
of manipulative. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't like to use that word because it has such bad connotations, but this is a very manipulative type of letter, in a sense. I don't like the word manipulative, but what are you saying by that? He's saying, you know, go ahead and... This is what you have to do. <laughs> well, I don't know that it's quite you, like that. But it's close, but it's not quite that. It's almost like saying he could order it to. You know, he's implying that he has the authority by saying he won't use it. So if he wanted to, he could use it. If he had wanted to, he could have used it right then. He's chosen not to, but he's got it. I think that makes it much harder for Philemon to not do what he's asking. I agree, and I think Paul intended for it to be harder for him to not do what he was asking. I think that's the point. <laughs> because on the surface it sounds like, oh, you have a choice, I'm not ordering you. But really, like, what are you going to do after a statement like that? <laughs> well, it gets more. <laughs> yeah, He's really, I mean, but now think about it. You know, what would a slave owner do to a runaway slave who may have even stolen from him when he left? Beat him. Beat him? That would be nice. Kill him? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, wow. A lot of of options. I mean, you've got the whole, you know, you could torture him, you could, you know, all all manner of things. Give him uh, KP for the rest of his life or whatever. You you guys don't know what KP is, do you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, the generation gap. You know what KP is? No, wow, wow, that's crazy. Do you, Do you know Ryan? Okay. Wow. Ryan doesn't know. So right. okay. yeah. That is I generational. Don't you don't know who you do. KP in the military. <laughs> I do know what it is. In the military, if you got in trouble, they give you KP, which was like, you know, cleaning the kitchen and washing kitchen, the dishes. Kitchen and, duty. Yeah. You know, all those potatoes well had to uh-huh. yeah. That would be like KP. KP, yeah. So it was, a, okay. it was a punishment making you work in the kitchen. I may have heard of that like yeah. once or twice. Yeah. It's just that we've got an all volunteer army. We don't know the military stuff like we used to. <laughs> Maybe they don't give KP anymore, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so, but he is saying, you know, I could, but I'm not going to. <laughs> he said, for love's sake, i rather appeal to you. Well, I mean, that's also kind of strong. You know, I'm, I'm appealing to you out of love. You know, um, there's something to be said for, you know, having confidence in somebody and appealing to them out of love, people sometimes are more likely to do the right thing when you don't order them. I mean, when you order somebody to do something, what do they think? They have no options. Well, yeah, but how does it make you feel? If, if, if you know, think about it. Think about a parent. I mean, I understand that you wouldn't be in that situation. I mean, Tasha, you know, what would you think if I don't know, what would be something your parents... What do you think if your parents said, and you be sure and turn in that homework? <laughs> they wouldn't do that. Interchange to someone else. <laughs> she would probably say, who are you and what did you do with my parents? But <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, continue with your illustration. Yeah, or, or I don't know, what would be something else? You know, uh, if, they, if they ordered you to do something that you always did, what if they said, you be sure and you get up in time for school tomorrow? You always get up in time for school. How would that make you feel? 
Like they didn't trust me. Yes. Like what did I do to lose? Yes. Trust? Like they didn't trust me. Like and and maybe almost like well I don't have to. You know mm-hmm. you you kind of almost rebel against orders. You know it's kind of makes you bristle up. Like well thanks but I'll do what I want to. You know so really if a parent trusts a child and says well I love you and I know that you're going to get up. Had a good time because you always do that, and I know you'll do your homework or whatever it is. I realize your parents don't care about school, but I'm not sure what they do care about. So. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's a homeschooler. That's right. So, you know, so this is more powerful. Uh, it really adds more weight to it. And then look at what he says. Yet, for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged. And now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, why does he say that? I'm an old man prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to order you because it would take too much work. On <laughs> he's not just an old man. He's an old man in prison. I mean, how are you going to turn that appeal down? You know, do you want to add to his burden? So he's really concerned that he treated Onesimus right. I do think he really wants Philemon to treat him right. And I think you can see that he felt the strong need to really pull out all the stops on this one. So that leads me to believe he didn't trust Philemon. He did, but he trusted him when he was appealing to him in the right way. I trust that I can force you to do this by making it. It's the same as your illustration with Tasha. If he really trusted him, why is he? But he doesn't order him. He just says, "I feel to you on that." No, he does better than that. But he, you know, he could order him. He could make it an order. He doesn't. I mean, and 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 honestly, later on in the letter, he's going to leave some options open. He's not like trying to tell him every move to make because what. You can kind of read between the lines. What did Paul really want him to do? Set him free. He really wanted him to let him go free so he could come back and help him. But he doesn't try to really bulldoze that one. You know, I mean, I know this was pretty strong, but it could be a lot more forceful. And I think we dose out that. I mean, when you're dealing with people who are growing in Christ, you, you know, give them a little more rope at a time. And you give them, turn over a little more responsibility to them, and things like that. That's uh, hard to know exactly how far to let out the rope when. But I think he is. He, he, I mean, think about the orders Paul gives some churches. <laughs> some, some people. You know, re- strong rebukes, even. You know, think about Galatians. I marvel that you're so quickly abandoning Christ for another gospel. You know, and he's just really forceful with him, uh, with them. So he's not that here, you know, but he does really want Onesimus to be treated well. So I, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. Um, wow. So if he's his child, what does that mean? Close. They're close, and probably means that he taught him the gospel. He taught him the gospel. Maybe he baptized him, but at least he taught him the gospel. Notice what does he refer to again? His imprisonment. <laughs> Boy, I mean, we're not getting far away from that one, are we? 
you know, he wants to, he just keeps kind of that before, I, I'm in prison, you know, it's pretty rough. And um, he said, he formerly was useless to you, but now he's useful both to you and to me. Guess what the uh, name Onesimus means? Useful. So he wasn't an Onesimus before, but now he's a real Onesimus to both of us. You know, to Philemon, you know, he'd been a thieving runaway slave. To Paul, he was his own child. And uh, Paul said, really, he's useful now. Yes. Did he call him his son instead of brother because he taught him? I think so. Okay. Yeah, and he's like a son to him. And, uh, you know, if he says he was formerly useless to you, what does that say? Maybe he was a bad slave. Yeah. How would Paul know that? Isn't that helpful <laughs> to frankly acknowledge his failure in the past? You know, that shows Philemon that Onesimus hasn't left him with the impression that he was the model slave. <laughs> You know, Paul's acknowledging he wasn't useful to you in the past. Paul's fully aware of his past sins. It's always best to admit when you're wrong. When you don't, you try to keep it from people. Does it work? Not usually. Not usually. And it just makes you look stupid. You know, think about Adam and Eve. Well, you know, it was it was the woman you gave me. But it was the snake. <laughs> Think about Cain. What did he say? I'm not my brother's keeper. Yeah, I don't know where he's at. I'm not my brother's keeper. If he had just owned up to it, it would have at least been better. You know, Saul. Remember what Saul did? The people made me. Yeah, the people took him to sacrifice, but the rest we've utterly destroyed. You know, and things like that. Much better to be the prodigal son. I've sinned. David. I've sinned. Um, so, I think Onesimus has told Paul. That speaks well of him. And and now that Christ has changed him, he's going to live up to his name. You know, now he will be an Onesimus. But, in verse 12, I've, I've sent him back to you in person, that he is sending what? My heart. He's my heart! Well, I mean... How would Philemon have treated Paul's heart? Beat it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, maybe that's what he was going to do. I think Philemon was responsible for that himself. (laughs) Yeah. You know, think about verse 7. Philemon refreshes the hearts of the saints. Now Paul is sending him his heart... What does Philemon always do? He refreshes. Look at verse 20. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in Christ. Refresh my heart in Christ. So if he sends him his heart, and he he says, you've always refreshed hearts, now refresh my heart. Treat Onesimus well. Paul is putting himself on the line for Onesimus. Jesus said, he who receives you receives me. Paul says, he who receives Onesimus receives me. Now, what did Paul want to do with Onesimus? Keep him. Yeah, he really did. You know, he wanted to keep him. Why? 
He wanted his help. Yeah. Well, evidently, Onesimus really being a blessing to Paul, and Paul really wanted to keep him, but he didn't feel like he should. It wasn't, he wasn't his slave. You know, do you think there's a reason why Paul would tell Philemon how useful Onesimus was, besides just hoping he'll send him back? But is there another reason to tell Philemon he's been such a big help to me? Because it's changed. It does. It shows how much he's changed. And I think Philemon would be more likely to think more highly of Onesimus when he know, knew how important he was to Paul. You know, I mean, Onesimus has really been serving Paul on behalf of Philemon. You know, he's whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. You know, that way he could have you know, kind of taken your role in that. That's amazing. Onesimus has been like helping Paul like it was Philemon helping Paul. But without your consent, I didn't want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but by your own free will. You know, I mean, he could have just said, well, I really need him in the gospel. Philemon will surely understand. But it's like, I didn't have the right to do that. He's your slave. I, I can't tell you you got to give him to me. I, I certainly, I mean, that would have been, you know, really a dirty business if I had just said, oh, yeah, I've got to have him. You know, you can't, how can you order somebody to voluntarily choose to give him back? You know, so he's respecting Philemon's ability to choose for himself. And I do not think Paul was insisting he had to bring it, send it back. Paul would have really liked it. I hope Philemon did. But I don't think I don't think Paul's indicating he's going to be mad at him if he doesn't or anything like that. He's just really useful to Paul. So I mean, I, I know we think this is manipulative, but but I mean, <laughs> I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't try to tell him exactly what to do in that situation. That Paul doesn't say, "Listen, here's all the reasons why you just have to send him back to me." He doesn't do that. I don't think Philemon has to send him back to Paul. I don't think that every choice we make is, is, is pre-programmed in the Bible and it has to be this way and you've got to do it the same way I tell you to. You know, there's all kinds of things that, I mean, you know, who am I to say that's the way you have to do that? You know, somebody comes begging for help and I say, you've got to help him. You've got to give him money. Well, Maybe you don't think that's a good idea. You know, who am I to say? There's all kinds of situations in which I can't just, like, run over somebody and say, okay, here's the way it has to be. Certainly that's the case in this situation. All right, so that's more or less through verse 14. There's a lot in that. I don't know how that came across, but comments and questions. Do do we see this as manipulative because we're somewhat cynical jaded Americans or would it I mean would it have seen that way I mean I, you know I don't like the word manipulative because that to me implies it's underhanded Paul's very open yeah. and I mean he is just trying to encourage Philemon to do the right thing without just trying to blast it I mean, yes, he's trying to give him arguments to help him do the right thing. But it's still going to be his choice. 
Other thoughts? So we have, let's see if I can get this right. So Onesimus is like Philemon to Paul. And Paul wants Philemon to treat Onesimus like Paul. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's getting a little confusing. <laughs> uh, I can accept, see that. Accept him as you would accept me and, yeah. and, and further on. And I just wonder what does... I'm feeling philosophical tonight. Um, does Onesimus... Is he valued as himself? That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? it? Doesn't, I, I didn't I, get what that meant. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just He seems to be a proxy for... I mean, in the language, he's a proxy for a substitute well, for a I think we're headed towards something here. I think there's a deeper meaning in this story than what meets the eye. <laughs> so we'll come to that All right. later work on. With that. If, if not tonight, then next week. I don't know how that work. It's definitely an example of like ways to talk to people, and it's definitely not... Um, disallowed to encourage someone to doing their to do the right thing by coming at them with I'm sure you're gonna do the right thing and you know even if you are saying that in order to ensure that they do persuasive <laughs> maybe persuasive is the word instead of yeah, persuasive might be better but I think that's exactly what happens I think that's what Paul does all the time when he re why does Paul tell the brethren I thank God for these things you know about you I think he's trying to encourage him and help him to live up to it. I don't. I think it's persuasive. I don't think it's conniving. I don't think it's you know it's not cheating. But I think we sometimes feel obligated to be totally truthful about what we think about people. So that would be like Paul saying, "I think there's a forty percent chance that you're going to do what I'm asking you to." But, you know, here's hoping. <laughs> right. I don't. You don't. I see Paul as the kind of person that generally believed the best about people. You know, he assumed people were going to do the right thing. That didn't keep him from really trying to make sure and ensure it. But I think he often did assume the best. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yeah, I think so. But if he had really had no doubts at all, he would have just said, Hey, you know, I'm seeing this in bag, blah, blah, here you go. Yeah, I think he no. thinks that Philemon, given the letter, will do the right thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. It doesn't sound, it does not come across as he had no doubts whatsoever I agree. about what Philemon would do. No, I agree. Okay. I agree. But I think he believes that given the letter and everything, <laughs> I think he's counting on Philemon to do the right thing. Okay. Makes I mean, can you imagine sending Onesimus, your son, back to Philemon? Wow. Can you imagine hurting for how it's going to be for him? Just imagining, you know, wow. That could be really, that's stressful. And, the, and the, Paul would have been well aware of the legal sure. uh, punishments that Philemon could have imposed on Onesimus. I mean, no all kinds it. of... Yeah. Within his rights. Nothing, you know, nothing weird about that, so... Yeah, amen. 
speaking of legal rights, it talks about in Deuteronomy 23 what to do with a slave, a runaway slave. That's right. So how does that fit with what? Well, you're thinking about the ones from a foreign country that shouldn't be extradited? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're in Deuteronomy 23. 15 and 16 talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a foreign slave that was that you weren't to extradite a foreign slave. If he if he seeks asylum among you, you've got to give him asylum and not send him back to his master. Extradited? Do you mean like deported? Yeah. Okay. I don't really know the word extradited. Oh, what does extradite mean, Sarah? Um, if you are country. if you are charged with a crime in Indiana and you flee to Florida, Indiana officials need to extradite you, have you sent back by the Florida officials to Indiana. Oh, okay. That type of thing. That reminds me of one of the laws in Leviticus, I think. But it talked about, like, if a man kills somebody, he, he flees to another country, and then the other people have to measure to the closest city... And then this, the city would have to offer a sacrifice. Yeah, if if no, if the person, if we don't know who did the killing, yeah, that's right. Other thoughts through fourteen. All right, how about uh, fifteen to twenty? For perhaps for this reason he was separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. (laughs) Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. No, that's not as funny when you really look at it as what it sounded when you read it. I still say Sarah's right. Manipulative. No, no, no. We're gonna def- we're gonna Not get all up the hook here. It's my birthday. <laughs> I'm an old man in prison. It's my birthday, and I really love this Lord. Be good to it. But we're not gotten there yet. So passive let's aggressive. Yes, passive, passive aggressive. He is yes. very passive aggressive. Very passive. And passive aggressiveness is annoying. <laughs> Paul is not annoying. <laughs> All right. Look at 15. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. Now, you know, I, I think that, you know, while Paul would really like to have him back with him, he's not sure if that's really what the Lord wants. You know, so he didn't try to detain him even though he wanted to. Because maybe he would have defeated what what actually God's purpose was, that he would be back with Philemon forever, not just as a slave, but even uh, as a beloved brother. And that means the forever would have been forever, ever. (laughs) You know, the perhaps is like, I don't know for sure what God has in mind in this. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe it's for the best that, that, you know, Onesimus would stick with Philemon. You know, I mean, it's hard for some people to say perhaps. 
you know, wise men do. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, how can Paul be sure that the thing that's going to happen, the thing that ought to happen is for Onesimus to become permanently with Paul? Maybe Philemon's going to feel like the best choice is to keep him. And maybe that's really what the Lord had in mind in that. So he's not trying. He'd love to have him. Man, he's just been such a blessing. He's his own heart. He's his own child. But he recognizes that that may not be the Lord's will in this. Um, So, you know, and isn't it interesting how he says this? For perhaps he was for this reason, what? Separated. (laughs) Isn't that a nice way to say that? (laughs) For perhaps he was for this reason a runaway slave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he never really says exactly that he ran away. You know, he was separated from you. (laughs) You know, that's a euphemism. (laughs) Lost in the grocery aisle. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't find. He ended up in Rome trying to find his way back home. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a detour there. You know, but yeah, I mean, he's he puts the best light possible on this. Doesn't aggravate the matter, maybe I should say. And you know, if he was just come, came back as a slave, when does a slave master relationship end? When the master decides. Or when, when dies. When either one of them dies. But Philemon and Onesimus can be with each other forever and ever. This is not just for this life now. Forever and ever, they'll be together. And, and But not just as a slave, but as a brother. Now, I don't think he means he won't be a slave. But, but you know, it wouldn't really matter. If he's a brother, you know, then, then the relationship is so much deeper and uh, it's, it's so much different. It's transformed. He, there were Christian slaves, and I assume there were Christian masters who owned Christian slaves. But, but they were brothers more than they were slave master. I mean, have you ever thought about, we've talked, said this before, you know, do you suppose there were times when masters were in churches that the elders were slaves? <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, to have a slave being with the elder and the master's one of the members that's in the flock of the slave? But there'd be no reason that couldn't happen biblically. No reason at all. You know, and, and no reason that that should be a problem. The master still tells the slave what to do, but they're brothers. And, and the slave is watching over the master's soul. You know, I, I, I think there, I think that's perfectly okay. You know, but that would be really weird for us to think about. And so he says, if you then re- regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. That's, that is the first time he's ordered him to do something. You know, that's the first imperative, I think. Uh, if I may be wrong about that, but at least that's the key one. Well, you know, welcome him like you would me. Now, I mean, he's risking his own relationship with Philemon for that. He's w- risking his own political capital for a slave. You know, uh, and before he says that, he said a lot. But now he says, please take him back, just like he was me. You know, I mean, how would Philemon have received Paul? <laughs> receive Onesimus that way. You receive him just like you would if he were me. How excited would you be to see me? How generous would you be to me? How nice would you be to me? I'm sending my heart back to you. This is my heart. How you treat him is how you treat me. Uh, Paul is being, you know, passionate about this and strong about this. I mean, I do think Philemon needs taught about how do you accept back a Christian runaway slave. 
and you accept it back as my heart. You you receive him like you receive me. But you know, he may have some unpaid debts. You know, if he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. You know, what what do you owe him? Well, the lost work, for one thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, that could be. You know, I mean, you know, he's gone AWOL. You know, he owed him. I mean, he's his property. He owed him all that back work. What else might he have owed him? Anything he stole. Wonder why he might have stolen something. Well, what made you think he might have stolen something? Didn't have anything. Say that again. Didn't have anything. He didn't have anything. So, why would he have stolen? Maybe. To be able to survive without having someone paying for you. I think so. I mean, I can see him taking some stuff to finance his flight. You know, I mean, you're going to have to have something to eat. You're going to have to have means of transportation. And So, I mean, I'm wondering if when he left, he managed to grab some money so he'd have something to eat on until he got to where he could work and support himself. Money, supplies, a bag of food. You know? Yeah, exactly, or whatever. Or I thought about this: Is it possible that he was stealing from Philemon, and that's the reason he fled? <laughs> that Philemon was starting to get wise to it, and he was afraid of what was going to happen, and so he hightailed it out of there. I, we don't know. There's all kinds of possibilities. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, that Onesimus has leveled with Paul. That well. I wasn't always so honest with him. And, I mean, he might have sold himself into slavery to pay a debt, too. Yes. So, if he... Yeah, that's true. If he, if he <laughs> skipped out before the debt was paid, he yeah. still owed the debt. So he still owed the debt. That's a good point. He wants to remove anything from Philemon's mind that could hinder him from genuinely taking Onesimus back. You know, so... I mean, he more or less implies Onesimus did something without exactly saying he did. Uh, and so Paul says, you know, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. You know, what does that almost sound like? Who, who would say something like that? Jesus? Well, yeah, but I mean in a human relationship. Who would, who would typically say that? Apparently. Yes. I'm thinking like a father to a uh, son, uh, about a son. You know, I'll, I'll, whatever he's done to you, I'll pay it. I'll stand good for it. You know, and of course, Onesimus is like his son. I'm good grief. When my phone rings, my iPad rings suddenly. Oh, that's funny. We can probably turn that off. <laughs> that's what my can. parents do, <laughs> and then iPad does. Yeah. So, anyhow. Like, I'm in the middle of a game, and now. We're talking uh-huh. to that. But it, it's off now, so. Um, so he's like saying, put it on my bill. You know, I, I'm writing this with my, my own hand. Here's my signature, more or less. I'm, this is an IOU. I will guarantee whatever damages he's done. I'll assume his obligations. Now, honestly, is there any way Philemon's going to charge Paul? Even if, even if Paul hadn't said the next thing. Do you really think Philemon's going to say, okay, Paul, that was $492.55. Now, with interest, that comes to... I mean, do you think Philemon would ever do that? Nope. He's an old man in prison. Yeah. And he doesn't... And Paul does not, as far as we know, have, like, tons of money. 
He's getting support from other people. He's in prison. He's, you know. I mean, you wouldn't do that, would you? I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't know, for you guys. I mean, what if, I don't know, you've got to come up with a, some kind of a wild scenario, but, I mean, what if it was Boyd or somebody, you know, that's away in prison, and, you know, he writes you and all that, and, then, and you know, if he's done anything, you've taken anything from you, you know, charge me. I mean, really? Is anybody going to do that? But but think about this. Now, I, this is kind of my own take on this, but <laughs> how do you feel when somebody takes you for a ride and you don't do anything about it, how does it make you feel? Somebody kind of like takes from you, steals from you and all that, and you're kind of soft and you just don't do anything about it. How does it make you feel? You're not being fair. Like you're letting yourself be taken advantage of. Yeah, so how does it make you feel? Like, More do, like what? Like a sucker. Like a sucker. Yeah, that's a good word. Like a sucker. Like, man, I'm so stupid. I'm such a softy. You know, I just, you know, so he's not going to, clearly, he's not going to charge Paul. But, but, you know, he's probably going to feel stupid. So Paul, I think Paul is saying something to help him feel better about himself, not charging him. (laughs) You know, he said, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Now, granted, he mentioned something by telling him he won't mention it. <laughs> but, but really, he gives him a good reason not to charge Paul. Here's why he's not going to. You know, the reason he's not going to charge Paul is because Paul converted him. He owes Paul way more than, than Onesimus could ever have racked up in a debt. That's the reason that he's not. He's not a sucker. It's not foolish. It's not stupid. It's that he owes a lot more. He went from being a creditor to a debtor in the course of two verses here. You know, but really, that's the reason. He he can feel good about himself. He doesn't feel I feel like he's just some softy, some somebody who just lets himself get run over. Not at all. He does owe Paul more than what Onesimus has racked up in debt. And so I think again, this is more my take, but I think Paul is sensitive to how, of course, Philemon isn't going to charge him. No matter what Paul said, Philemon's not going to charge Paul for crying out loud, but here's why he wouldn't. And so he says, Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. You know, please do for me what you're doing for all the other saints. I mean, this is your reputation. This is what you do. You You are a heart refresher. I'm sending you my heart. Please refresh it. You know, how can he do less than that? You know, he wants to be the recipient of Philemon's, you know, renowned refreshing ministry. You know, so, you know, he's your Onesimus. You know, your prophet. Be mine. You know, will he, will he, you know, bless me? Let me benefit. Let me, let me be Onesimus by you. Okay, thoughts and comments through 20. Is Onesimus carrying this letter? I think Onesimus and Tychicus, yes. Okay. So you would hope that he would read the letter. <laughs> I will hide, and you go take the letter to him, and then I will come. <laughs> yeah. Whew. This is probably a tense moment, don't you think? Please read this letter before you do anything. <laughs> It's good if Tychicus is, uh, you know, is kind of uh, saying, 
I got somebody else right here with me, but I'd like you to read this first. Ha. Um, since we're on the subject, maybe say something briefly about people who would say, um, thinking about American slavery and like, oh, this is like slavery is horrible always, and like, how could Philemon ever, you know, have a slave? And that's just like a terrible thing to do. And is God, you know, allowing slavery in the Bible? Like, can we maybe say something about that since it kind of tangentially ties in? We can. It wasn't as bad because, like, and here it wasn't like getting beaten and like as a slave as it was during America, right? Ooh, it didn't have to be. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we need to see slavery at least as, at times, a part of the economic system. You know, in other words, that, you know, people were slaves because that's how they survived. You know, they maybe, they maybe went into debt and they had to sell themselves to pay the debt. Or maybe it's just, I mean, that's how they made a living. I mean, they, you know, what did the master do for the slave? Room and board, whatever he needed. You know, he took care of the slave. In exchange for that, the slave worked for him. Now, what do we do? We don't have slavery. So what do we do? You work for some company. The company pays, for, pays you and takes care of you and you work for them. Now, the difference is you could leave. Of course, if you quit, what do they quit doing? Taking care of you. Sometimes people don't quit because they're not sure they can get anything else. So they're kind of, you know, and, and do, do companies always treat their workers right? And have they always? And we're in a culture where it's, you know, more laws and things like that. But I mean, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, in the sweatshops and things like that, sometimes the companies abuse the workers. Now, it was technically not slavery, but it was abusive and wrong. And so, I mean, there were good masters and bad masters. There's good companies and bad companies. I mean, it's just an economic reality. I don't think that God dictates economics. I mean, I think we ought to be more aware of that. I think we tend to think, you know, the economy has to go this way. We have to have freedom. We have to have the free market. You know, blah, 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 blah. No, we don't. God never mandated a particular economic system. Don't, don't try to get God in on your political debates about the economy. Now, justice, righteousness, fairness, treating the poor and the needy well, things like that, absolutely. But the economic system engine to do that, it could be various things. Now, you know, American slavery, one thing that really is bad about American slavery is that it originated with kidnapping. And kidnapping was a capital crime in the Old Testament, and it's condemned in 2 Timothy chapter 1 in the New Testament. So, the very fact of the idea of going over to Africa and just taking people at gunpoint and making them slaves, that is not right. That, that was kidnapping. That was sinful. Uh, but just slavery is an economic system. That's just an economic system. You remember in the Old Testament there were sometimes slaves that would decide they didn't want to leave because they were released every seven years. But sometimes they'd say, no, I want to stay. you think, that's ridiculous. Why would any slave want to stay? Well, no, we are in this culture where, you know what we think is the number one good is freedom. I don't get that in the Bible. Now, I'm not against freedom. I like my freedom. But don't think that God values absolute freedom in political terms as the greatest thing there ever was. You know, what if it's freedom or food? Which would you rather have? Food? Now, we probably wouldn't say that because we're so... 
fat anyway. <laughs> you know that you know we we think well I, you know I'd rather have my freedom. Well, yeah, you would for about six weeks, maybe not that long, six days, and then you decide food might be a kind of interesting. You might sacrifice your freedom for food. Slavery, you, being a slave, might be a whole lot better than the alternative, depending on what your other options are. So don't value freedom so much, and and realize God God didn't mandate any economic system. Can it be communism, socialism, capitalism, slavery, you know, whatever? Yeah, all those things are okay. All those things have to be done properly and with biblical principles, and they aren't most of the time because sinful people do them in any of those systems. Does that make any sense? Well, even today, if you can't pay for college, you can sell yourself and get your college paid for and work in the military for however many years afterward. Absolutely, which is... You don't have a choice about leaving military when you do that. Or even, like, where they send you or what jobs you do. That's exactly (laughs) right. Essentially, the military is a form of slavery. It's a fairly brief period. You know, like four years as opposed to the seven years in the Old Testament or, you know, permanent in some of the slaves. But still, yeah, that's exactly right. You become a slave. So, good question. But it's a God-given right. And it's unalienable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what We're unalienable means. It's about alienableism. Yeah. <laughs> No UFO can take it away from you. And that is just where I don't think there's biblical support for that. No. Give me liberty or give me death. I'm great with having freedom, but I don't think there's something in the Bible that says that democracies are the way God wants us to go, period. Or that freedom is the end-all and be-all. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm great with having freedom, but I don't think we can argue that that's what God has mandated. And that God doesn't intend for there to be totalitarian government. God only wants governments that allow a great deal of democratic freedom. Uh, I, I think that's that's not. I don't think God's legislated on that. So I think we have to be a lot more. You know, sometimes we're just so quick to want to hijack the Lord's approval for whatever idea we have. And I don't. I don't see it on that. I like the freedom, but I don't think we can argue that that's God's orders for us. Other thoughts? What do you think that he that um how did how do you think that Philemon accepted it or what do you think he was like when he got it? Well, you know <laughs> I think this is pretty persuasive. I don't hardly see how Philemon could have turned this down. And I doubt that it would have been preserved for us if he had had a, you know not done this. You know, my guess is if we get the letter preserved, there's a probably a pretty good likelihood that it was accepted. Okay, <laughs> that's my guess. All right. Any other thoughts or comments? All right. I think we'll stop here and we'll work on the rest of Philemon, and then Colossians was something we had right. So, since Philemon and Colossians are closely related, why don't we... uh, I should be okay for next Thursday, at least, so we can try finishing Philemon and working on Colossians. Sound good? Mm